Hey everyone, welcome back to the Good Line Podcast. This is Aaron Salvato, and we are at the end of a three-part series about grief and loss and finding hope even when things seem hopeless. And the person sharing with us during the series is Sarah Liu. She is an amazing friend. She hosts the Shadowlands podcast on our network. And if you haven't listened to part one and two, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, Sarah just does a phenomenal job sharing her story, helping us see the hope when we can't find it, helping us to deal with our doubts when we face situations where we can't understand why God allowed things to happen. And, and also talking in part two about the link between grief and depression and how we can, how we can face that very difficult topic. And so now for part three, I'm going to set Sarah up with a question to start things off. Okay, Sarah, so here is another question. So I think one of the most cliche things that we say as Christians and as pastors, and I'm saying this as somebody who himself has served for many years as a pastor in a church, one of the most cliche things that we say to people who are going through times of suffering and grief and loss, we say to them, hey, God is in control. He loves you. Just trust him. It's all going to be okay. And the thing is, I totally think that sentiment is very true. God does love us. Ultimately, he is in control. He is sovereign. He does have a great plan for all things that are happening, even the things the enemy means for evil, God means for good. Like just because it's cliche doesn't mean it's not true. But I do know for a lot of people just saying to them, hey, trust God, it's all going to be okay. I mean, it doesn't always translate. I mean, a lot of times people are trying very hard to trust God, but it's not easy. And there's a lot of doubt that comes in. Sarah, what's your experience with that? Have you found it hard yourself to trust God sometimes? And how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with when people come to you with these cliches? And for you, how have you found your way to trust in times where it's very, very hard to trust? Okay. <laughs> this is like, this is legit painful for me. <laughs> this is like a good, this is a really good, okay, all your questions have been really good, Aaron, but this one I feel like really hits like a trigger for me <laughs> because, my gosh, I've experienced some like, some really frustrating things <laughs> from Christians and like, God bless them. Like they care about me and like, I've had to learn like to have grace, but it's, it's really hard to have grace with people when you're in such a very raw, like highly emotional, traumatic state, you know? So it's not easy to like not get frustrated when people say these like very cliche things to you and you just want to like honestly punch them in the face and like walk away like like if I'm being totally honest and like not everybody's like that I've had a couple people in my life that have been like so just ugh, speaking beautiful gracious truth into my life and and really just veering away from cliche things which I just so appreciate so but, you know, at the same time, I have so much grace now, now that I've like, I don't know, like walked a little bit through it. Like, I think just because I've realized, you know, like people are just human. They care about me. They're, you know, they're trying to help. They, they want to see me well. They don't really at all comprehend like what I'm experiencing um, or if they, you know, possibly just to a small degree. Um, I mean, my situation being very unique, but um you know, it's just like, it's, it's more painful. I wish you would have just said nothing at all rather than had said, trust, trust God more. I cannot tell you like how many times people have said to me, like, just trust God more or something. And like, I straight up just like, I just, I, I, I have nothing. I have nothing to say. I have no response because like, yeah, like, like you said, like, absolutely. Like, it's true. Like, trust God. Like, like, that's like a good, you know, that like, that's something we should be doing and something we should be working through. And when you're faced with a situation like this, like it definitely your trust for sure gets challenged. And so it's going to be something you're going to be addressing, like in your walk with Jesus. But like, I'm sorry, like if you have someone that's grieving and like, you know what, though, like not everybody's really experienced like close loss. And so like 
some people really just mean well, um, but they just don't know what to say or, you know, depending on their personality, it just makes them extremely uncomfortable, you know? Um, so it's like, I, I get that. I, I do. I do get that. I have a lot more understanding now than I did in, in those early times, but, um, and I, I think of myself, you know, before this, I mean, I think I, I, I generally, I experienced a lot in my life and it made me a very empathetic person, but at the same time, I understand how it's like, you just want to help, but you don't have words for someone. But I feel like now that I've experienced this, I realize like, you don't like, I, like people that are grieving, like, honestly, I don't think they like want answers for, like per se from you. Like, like, yeah, you want, you want you want uh, like conversation, you want help, you want, but like they're, they're not, people that are grieving are not expecting you to like solve the problem because guess what? Like the problem literally cannot be solved because someone has died. Like the only way to really like solve the problem would be to resurrect them, which is not going to happen. So like, unless God did some crazy miracle, but you know, so like, I feel like if you can just approach somebody that's grieving, like, understanding, like, they probably, like, are not expecting, like, like, you to, like, come in and, like, save the system because you can't. You just literally, you can't, you can't fix the problem. It's unfixable, but you can offer, like, guidance and support and love and honestly, presence. Presence is, like, ugh, the biggest thing. Like, if you can just come in with someone who's grieving, and just be there with them and just offer your presence just offer just be there and you know honestly like sitting in silence with somebody like who doesn't have the words like a lot of times they don't need to hear talking they just need to not be alone um that's like very foundational so like that's like step one <laughs> Um, you know, and then if they feel like talking, like listening, 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 listening is key. Just listen, let them share anything that they feel like sharing, anything that comes to mind because their mind's racing, their mind's jumping all over the place, their mind's confused. And so giving them mental space to breathe, I think is really important. Like you look in Job when his two friends come in and they just waltz right in, sit down and they're like, all right, now let's give you a lecture on all of the things that you've done wrong and these are all the reasons why it's happening and here's what God thinks and they just start making all these conjectures all these things that aren't biblical all these things that aren't true like shoving all this stuff at Job when he's just sitting there like in silence mourning and my heart is like ripped into a thousand pieces for him because he's probably like so vexed and then you know he finally speaks up but not for a long time and they don't tell you how long it is I don't think but it's like it's probably days you know like they're all just sitting there talking going on and on he's just like mourning and and that to me is so like what's the word I don't know coming in so dominantly like that like someone that's grieving doesn't doesn't really need that <laughs> so that for me has been something that I've experienced and I've seen people people do and I've talked to friends about it that have also experienced it and and I think when someone says to you, just trust God more or keep trusting God or something, I don't know. Like, like I've had people say, like, I guess depending on how it's worded, but I've had people say to me, like, just trust God more. And honestly, like, that's kind of offensive. <laughs> it's kind of offensive. And I try not to take offense. Like, I don't generally take offense very easily at things. Like, I'm pretty laid back, but... When someone says to you, like, when you're just ripped into shambles after, like, what's happened, and someone's like, you know, ju just just trust God, like, just or just trust God more, like, do you think that my lack of trust is what has, is what has caused this to happen? Or do you think because I feel these emotions, I'm trusting God any less? You know, I think that's, like, bam, because, my gosh, like, God felt these emotions, God put these emotions in me God feels this way about death and suffering so why should I like feel bad about feeling these emotions like what I'm feeling is like right like that I'm angry that I'm upset that this has happened that I'm grieved that this has happened like all those things like like that doesn't show a lack of trust in God and so I think sometimes when when Christians come to other Christians maybe or, or people or whatever that that are you know, suffering with, with a grieving situation and they just say, you know, just trust God or just keep, tr or like trust God more, you know, I think sometimes, you know, they might not intend it, 
but it can really undermine someone's pain. It can really undermine someone's pain and make them feel like, like, what do you mean? Like, just trust God more. Like, I've been trusting God, you know? And that's kind of how I felt when I, when I was there. I actually have, like, a little bit of a story. Like, right before everything happened with Christina, I was actually planning to move to Montana. I bought a one-way ticket. I have friends out there. I was going to move out there. I was going to start doing ministry out there and just, like, see where it took me. Um, it was the beginning of the summer. I was going to go for the summer. And then at the end of the summer, kind of, you know, navigate, decide what to do at that point. And it was at that, literally a week before I was supposed to go that Christina was killed. And I was like, um, halt. And that whole decision you know, to take me to Montana was this journey that, like, God had just been taking me on where he was, like, challenging me, and I was dealing with so many things, and I felt like he was so clearly saying, Sarah, like, step out. Step out in faith. Just take this leap with me, and I'm with you. And I felt like he was really challenging me, and I, I my pastor had given me a book, um, that I was reading at the time by A.B. Simpson that is amazing. I kept his book. I stole it. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can give this back now. This is just such a money. He let me keep it. But <laughs> um, it's called um, The Land of Promise, Claiming Your Christian Inheritance by A.B. Simpson. And I highly recommend it. Um, I literally had started, just started it, um, like the day that Christina was killed. And in the, like, I think it was like the second chapter, maybe, that I was reading. <laughs> I actually have it with me right now. So let's pull it out here. Oh, I opened right to the page. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's the chapter called Setting Out. Basically, he's talking about um, Abraham and Isaac. Um, God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. Isaac was his long-awaited first son. I think he waited... Oh, wow, I should know this. I think it was like at least 20 years that he waited for this son to be born that was promised to him. And I mean, nuts. Like, when you think about that, like waiting that long and like still keeping faith in God and then having him delivered, you know, and, and he came on um, the son that was promised. And then after so many years, God asks him to sacrifice him because he was his most precious thing in his life. And God really was just testing Abraham. He didn't follow through on it. He actually provided a lamb for sacrifice. He didn't make him follow through with sacrificing his son because, you know, God was not into sacrificing humans, but it was a test of Abraham's faith. And in that, um, A.B. pulls out this lesson here and he says, there is a precious lesson in this for us. The things that God gives to us and that we hold so dear are not to be prized for the joy they add to us, but we are to receive them in him as a means of increasing our usefulness in his service. The friends that are so dear to our heart, we must not cling to for ourselves. They are to be held only for God. This is perhaps the most necessary lesson to be learned in the Christian life. God would teach it to the very depths of our souls and make it a part of our spiritual life. We must surrender all to him. We must hold everything subject to his will and yet not be afraid that he will do something harsh if they are so yielded. Isaac had to be laid on the altar, but he was not lost. He could not be. And then he goes on to say, all you give up of your, self, of your selfishness will be restored to you a thousandfold in him. And I read this just a few hours before Christina was killed and I was sitting on the beach and I was thinking oh this is my last you know New Jersey beach day before I head in to the middle of the country where there's no ocean and just enjoying it and, and really praying through this and thinking all right Lord you know I feel like you're challenging my trust in you and I want to trust you more and so I'm going to take these leaps of faith and I want you to show me where I need to trust you more and as I read this God specifically brought Christina immediately into my mind because as she lived in California and was working in the music industry, which was like really tough on her, um, 
you know, I was always worried because she, she struggled with different things and she struggled out there and, and it was, it was, it was very challenging and she was so strong and resilient, but I, I know she, she struggled with it. And I, I've always just kind of held her in my mind, I guess. And I felt like God was saying, Sarah, it's time for you to let her go. And I prayed right there, God, you know, she is yours and ultimately you're the one protecting her and you know, you're the one holding her and keeping her and you're the one guiding her and, and not me. And I know like, you know, I just, I trust her to you. I can't control what happens to her. I can't control, you know, what goes on, but like, I, I trust her to you, God. I trust her to you. And I just re repeated that. I trust her to you. I trust her to you. And I prayed that like probably about six or seven, probably six, five or six hours before everything happened. And so for me in my life, looking at trust, if we're going to just talk about that specific question or answer or whatever for the moment, trusting God is something like that I definitely have in different ways, but that was like a prime big moment where God was like, I need you to trust me. I'm calling you to trust me. And, you know, through that time when I was preparing to go to Montana, I had this overwhelming sense that I was stepping in through a doorway. It was so weird. Like, I can't explain it, but I just felt like I had this idea in that was like just put into my mind. It was like precipice, like doorway. Like I'm walking into something big and I just felt this and I was like what is this and I thought wow like I don't know something cool must be waiting in Montana like God is gonna do some big work like I'm excited like what's gonna where's he gonna take me you know like this is gonna be awesome and and I'm stepping out of faith you know and I'm I you know I don't have much but like I have God <laughs> and um and then like this happened and I mean it shook me to say the least and it took a long, it took a little while for me to fully feel the shaking because of the numbness and the shock that was so present. And like I talked about repeating back what I knew, but I eventually realized that there was so much in me that felt so abandoned by God in it, you know? And I did have to work like through like, God, like I was trusting you. And then you did this, like, was this like a punishment for me? Like what? Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, like, you know, did I deserve that or something? Or, or, you know, did she deserve that? Like, no, 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 certainly not. Like, had to work through those things. But, like, it's not about trusting God more. Like, trusting, I think, I don't know. Like, obviously, yeah, like, we need to trust God more. But in the sense of, like, just telling someone that's grieving, like, just trust God more. Like, the fact is that, like, the pain is still there. The suffering is still there. Like, trusting God isn't necessarily going to change the circumstances because with, with death, you can't, you know? So with it brings a whole lot of connotation of like, oh, if I had only trusted, then God wouldn't have allowed this to happen. And that's like dangerous. That's dangerous ground to be on, I think, you know? So I think staying away from answers like, oh, just trust God more, like, you know, it was really good. And just being sensitive to like where the person's at and really listening. And like, you know, obviously like trust is going to be, is going to be challenged and they're going to need to learn and they're going to, God's going to show them the areas where they're not trusting because it's going to be challenged in that kind of situation. Cause it's like, you know, that raw rock bottom place. And so trusting, you know, and I'm, so like, I agree with you and you're saying like, yeah, obviously like this is a true good thing, but like, it's just not always like the proper response. So in terms of like responses I've gotten, that has been a big one, <laughs> but there have been more. I think a lot of responses I've received have been um, just very like worldwide, like cliche things that people say because, you know, they, they want to feel comforted and they don't, you know, the, the bottom line is like, we don't fully know, you know, like what happens. Like as a Christian, I have like pretty solid faith because I have very, you know, so much evidence that my faith is, is based on and, and so much, you know, historical truth and, and everything. But like, so I, I know what I believe, but the fact is that I can't take a picture of heaven and like show it to you, you know? And so 
because we we can't fully prove that, you know, people want to be comforted. And so they say things like, oh, like she's with you or like she's always still with you or she's looking at down on you or she's, you know, your guardian angel or um, I think I think that I think probably I don't know. I think the most frustrating one for me is when people are like, oh, she's still with you. She's still with you because like I want to scream from like the core of my being like, no, she's not. Because, like, do you feel that? Like, do you feel that? Like, she is not here. I cannot hug her. I cannot hold her hand. I can't, like, hear her laugh. Like, I can't. She is not here. Like, that's, that is the most, it's almost like you saying, like, she's still with me is, like, denying reality and denying, like, the obvious things that I'm feeling. So, like, I hate when people say that. <laughs> um, I, it's like, I, I don't usually respond. I'm just like, mm, okay. Like, you know, because they mean well. Um, those sort of answers to me, like, don't bring me any comfort. But I, I think maybe sometimes the thought behind them is that, like, oh, well, like, she left a legacy and, like, you know, her spirit in the sense of, like, not her f- actual spirit, but, like, her energy, like, who she was, like like how, how like, how she was, like is still like within me because we have so much history together you know so like in that sense it's like she is part of me i mean gosh we were like sisters since we were five always together like the closest companions you know so like we formed each other so in a sense like she is part of me so maybe in that sense you could say like oh it's kind of like she's with me you know but like i i don't i don't know responses like that just kind of get on my nerves um I've also gotten things like when I was dealing with a lot of depression in the beginning and I, I couldn't really get out of bed very much. And some days and I, you know, I actually, I, I was out of church for a long time, um, which is fine. I really just needed, like, I couldn't, I didn't have any capacity to like do anything at all. Um, and so like I needed that time and um, I like couldn't get out of bed some days and I had, um, I had there was some, there was some gossip and I, I had, and then someone had come to me saying, like, that someone had said, um, you know, oh, I wish she would just get out of bed in the morning. Um, and I just, I was in, I was so offended and I was so, like, shocked by this statement coming from a Christian that they were talking, first of all, that they had been talking about me and judging me. Um, and then for them to come up to me and say that, I literally was like, oh, well, their best friend wasn't just murdered. And I just walked away. And I said that out loud because I felt like it needed to be said I was so like I was just mad I was so mad honestly and I was very like raw for a long time and that was like that was really hurtful and honestly like that's how people leave the church people that experience trauma are treated like that with like no compassion like that's how that's why people that's one of the things like people that's why people leave the church you know I have to say it like we have to be more careful with what we say and how we handle hurting people. Um, thank God, like he's just had grace on me and kept me and I haven't left the church, you know, cause I really recognize like these are broken people we're working with. I messed up too. Like I say stupid stuff all the time. So, you know, I recognize like, you know, that's just part of <laughs> being in church, <laughs> being in community because not everyone's going to understand and everyone has a different personality and everybody was raised in a different environment and conditioned for different things. And, you know, everybody just responds to things differently because they're all very different, you know? And so like, yeah, if you're in a very raw place, it's really hard to see and to handle the situation, maybe like objectively, because like you're in like too much pain for that. Um, and honestly, like maybe it needed to be said the way, the thing that I said, I, I really don't regret it because like, this was like an older, like mature adult that like should have, in my opinion, known better. Um, but the fact is that they were just passing along someone, something that someone else said, and, and that was even extra hurtful. Um, so yeah, that was really upsetting. Um, it's actually like very brave of me. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> I don't like sharing this stuff. I feel like ooh, that I'm sharing this, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've received so many cliche answers, and I feel like, you know, yeah, I mean. You have to protect yourself from them, A. You have to brace yourself for them, B. You have to sift through them um, and take what could potentially actually be useful and leave what's not, C. (laughs) And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think like after a while and after it really sets in and life goes on and people don't really talk to you about it maybe as much, even though you're continually thinking about it every day, probably, you know, you don't have to deal with it as much, but um, you sometimes will. But hopefully as time goes on, you're a little bit better at like knowing how to handle those situations. And like you can feel courageous enough to just be like, hey, you know, like that's really hurtful. And like, like, I understand you can just say what you think, you know, but like in a gracious way. It's really hard to do that when you're really raw and emotional um, in the beginning, but like maybe like later on saying something to someone because honestly, like that will help them grow as a person and how they handle future responses. And, and ultimately, maybe they won't hurt somebody else and, you know, prevent, you know, more pain or whatever in the future. Um, so I think like standing up for yourself in like a respectful, gracious way is like important because Christians need to know like that maybe some of the things they're saying aren't beneficial. Um, and like what could actually be beneficial, you know, especially because like not everybody knows what you're experiencing. And so, you know, you need to tell them, um, otherwise they're never going to know, you know, until maybe one day if they experience something like it, but, um, yeah, hopefully it like helps them grow in return. Um, but you also mentioned, um, have I found it hard to trust God, which I did share. I did share some about, um, I guess like since then, since then, I've definitely noticed, like, I think I talked even a little bit about this earlier. I have, I have struggled with trust and I think I, I definitely trust God a lot more now, but it's been, it's still a rough road. Like, I feel like he, he still brings up little areas sometimes to my attention and I'm like, whoa, like, what is that? Like, why haven't I been trusting you? And it's hard because like we talked about, like, sometimes there's just questions that won't be answered and like, we just have to like get to that place of like acceptance and like I feel like the more you really really know God you know Jesus intimately personally like you know him you know his character and so because of that you're able to say like I don't understand but I trust and that's that just comes with time and comes with faith and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so spending your time time in the word and like just getting to know the Lord and like asking for that help um, you know because we see that he loves us and that he, he doesn't intend harm for us and so yeah I think it's just something you have to sift through like in the word and with the encouragement and prayer surrounding you of other believers community um, yeah <laughs> so I guess with me just continually asking people for prayer and like being open and just myself like reading the word and like studying these things in the word and like listening to sermons and just continually pursuing God like I think through that through that journey he's helped me to learn to trust him again because I've really, I think I've also come to the place where personally I've seen like his hand through it all. I mean, him giving that whole thing to me beforehand. Then when I got this phone call, it was the first that the, that quote from that book it was the first thing in my mind. Literally, the first thought was that he would do something harsh if so yielded. And I thought, like, what on earth? Like, this is harsh. Like, what's happening? you know and just understanding that like God saw it before it happened and like I felt this overwhelming sense of like I felt like God was like looking at me like he was holding like he had his hand on me and he was like Sarah I know I see it I'm here and I just felt him like looking at me you know and I felt this like presence like he, he knew because he told me beforehand you know he prepared me in that sense beforehand and I think like upon really reminding my just like I guess reminding myself of like what I've seen of him through this whole thing has helped me like it brings me back it 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 kind of I don't know if the word is really compensates but like when you don't have answers like you just are stuck with no answers but then you can look and see like all the ways that God has worked through it and you're like well I mean there it is like he has he's evidenced through it and I see him he's very present and very active and and I, I guess through that, it's it's helped me to trust more um, again. And I guess 
the more I have continued to grow and learn in my church, just like on a weekly basis, you know, um, and then just in my own readings on a daily basis, like just that continually like being in scripture and amongst other Christians, like it, it does build your faith and it will restore you and God will teach you through it and give you the scriptures you need to help you see more clearly and help you, you know, root out those, those roots of bitterness and, and of pain and help you to sift through them and, and to comfort you and grieve with you in them, you know, and there's just, there's healing that comes. And I think as that comes, as you're really actively pursuing it, cause it's hard work. I think for me, that's like how I've learned to be trusting God more again. And I'm not, it's not like, oh, today I'm a hundred percent trusting God. Like yesterday it was 50%. Like that's not what it looks like. <laughs> like, I think you just like, you trust God as much as you can. And then you say, all right, God, like I trust, like, you know, help my unbelief. It's like that, that scripture that says like, I believe help my unbelief. It's like, all right, today I'm trusting, like, but I need, I still need your help. Like still like give me more trust and you give me more faith today for what I need, for what I feel lacking, you know? And it, it's just like that daily, that daily willingness to meet with him. I think that daily willingness to put in the work and, um, yeah, I guess that's really like, what my journeys look like. And we so appreciate you sharing that journey, Sarah. Thank you so, so much. I just have one more question for you, and then we'll close this mini-series out. My question is, what's the best way we can encourage other people who are going through times of grief and loss and depression and heartache? How can we reach them without being overbearing or crowding their space? How can we reach people in a way that's truly loving um, and does more good than it does harm? Wow. Well, this is the best because I feel like I've thought through this so much. Um, the last three years, like I've just picked up on so many things from my own experience. And um, I like to share this with people because I feel like it's just very practical. <laughs> you know, like people just don't know. And so like they need to be informed. Um, and so... Yeah, uh, so many things. I guess I've already talked about some of these, but maybe I'll just go over some of them again. Um, firstly, like, if you have someone that's grieving, <clears throat> whether or not they're a Christian, like, you know, things might look a little different. The things that you might be able to say, to, like, so quickly for a Christian, maybe, you know, wait a little bit um, for someone that for someone that's not, because you have to, like, feel out where they're at and, and um, hear from them, you know? Um, but I think... I guess the first step would be approaching someone with just empathy and compassion beyond belief. Um, that is what they need right now. They need to feel seen and heard and they need for their loved one to be spoken about. They need to hear their loved one's name. Um, they need to have love and comfort around them. Um, they don't need overbearing. They don't need like an overbearing person, a really opinionated person. They don't need um, someone coming in and like making jokes, like lighthearted jokes about different things to like maybe try to like lighten the mood because they're uncomfortable. Like that's probably going to cause more pain than anything, um, more, more pain than good, I guess. Um, you know, the, the tough thing is like every person's different, right? So you have to like be sensitive and like pray through it and like offer what you can and like, you know, ask, just ask what the person like needs and maybe suggest different things. Like, would they rather you just sit with them or, or, you know, would they like you to chat? You know, maybe just even asking is really good because honestly, like when you're grieving, at least for me and a lot of people I know, like you, whenever anyone says, Oh, let me know if I can do anything for you. Like I get sometimes that feels like the only thing to say, but like, I, I would never, ever tell anybody, like, I needed anything because that makes me feel more like a burden. And I absolutely hate feeling like, like a burden on people. So I just won't ask for anything, even though, like, I probably need a lot, you know? And so I think if you can be sensitive and try to be creative and think of different ways that you might be able to help this person and then offer, say, hey, like, you know, is there any chance, like, I can do this for you or this for you? Give them the opportunity to be like, yeah, you know, maybe that, um... I think that's really, that's really nice because not everyone is 
good or able to like really speak up for that. Um, also like at different times, like people might want to talk or people might, might want to just be quiet. So you really, I think just simply asking is in like a really gracious way is, is always a good thing. <laughs> you can really never go wrong. Um, because that's just direct communication, you know, um, and you can't really read everybody's mind. Um, but I think approaching someone with just a listen, listening ears and quiet and just being willing to cry with them, being willing to sit with them and like hug them and like hold their hand and just like be that presence I think is like just the foundational thing um and then you know once they start sharing more you can maybe like ask certain really gentle questions about about their loved one and like you know that maybe bring up good memories you know maybe not immediately but um I might not be like the first thing when they get the news that they want to think about you know because they're processing what happened but you know later on when you can just think about oh you know remember that time that we were doing this or that you guys did this and and just like help them remember the good things and talk about the person because that's what they they want to feel like they're still with them they want to feel like they're still there like their memory is is being held together like they're still being remembered and and like they're like who they they were, their personhood is being valued um, and remembered by other people than just them. And um, that's like really, really comforting when you can like bring up good memories and like laugh together or cry together. Like just remembering this person um, is really, really good. I think sometimes one thing we do is like immediately like, oh, hey, so like I have this book, you got to read it. <laughs> um when Christina passed, it was so, like, public that I, I think we all, like, affected me and her family and, like, a couple of our friends. Like, we just got inundated with, like, books. And, like, I mean, that's, I mean, I appreciate it. But, like, like I feel like sometimes maybe, like, people use it as an excuse. Like, oh, like, I, I don't really have the time to sit and chat with you or, like, maybe offer you this information. But, like, here, just read this book. And... Granted, that's not where everyone's coming from, but I just want you to, like, be aware of the, the, that thought. You might genuinely have, like, an amazing, comforting, great, encouraging book. And that's great because I have read several books from, from people that have offered books after this. Only a few, really. Um, but the ones I have, the, the few that I have read have been, like, very poignant, very encouraging, and um, really, really helpful. So... You know, they definitely have their place, but I feel like, you know, maybe don't be too quick to just, like, depend on information um, because, like, people want you. You know, they, they want you. Um, so that's one thing I found. Now we just got done talking about cliche responses. Um, and there are, well, first of all, there are so many resources that I would really exhort you like to get a hold of, like to get some books for yourself so that you can learn how to support someone. And there are some specific books. I can't exactly remember the author. There's a woman author in the Christian book world. Um, and she actually writes a lot of really useful books on grieving and like helping those that are grieving. Um, but I mean, if you go on christianbook.com, it's um, a website that is, is Christian Book Distributors, and um, they literally, you can just type in grief, or they actually have like a category section. You can search grief. Um, one tiny little booklet that helped me a lot that you can also read for yourself, because book that you give a grieving person is going to also help you understand what they're feeling. One tiny booklet that someone gave me that was extremely beneficial because I was experiencing so many things and I couldn't put words to them. And then in this little booklet, like this, um, this counselor that wrote it, he, he just puts words to things that I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I'm feeling, you know? And, and grief is like a whole new territory, you know? So trying to help somebody by equipping them and like also equipping yourself to like help them walk through it, um, I think will be really great. So there's one called Experiencing Grief by H. Norman Wright. It's just a tiny booklet, like really easy to whiz through. Um, it was really good for me. It was like the first little thing that I read in like the first month. Um, and it really just helped, helped to, to give some clarity to what I was feeling. Um, but there is really so many resources you can go on this website, actually. 
Um, I'm actually on it right now, but they literally have categories for like all different kinds of grief that you can look through and find different good resources. There's a woman who's a counselor named June Hunt, and she makes also tiny little booklets um, on grief and different things like that that can be extremely beneficial. Um, so I would say like be proactive about like learning grief yourself and be sensitive um, so that you can really approach it with compassion and approach them by learning and equipping yourself, you know, um, so that when you go to them, you have something to offer, you know, that's fitting. Now, also in terms of like helping them, there's going to be a lot of basic like practical needs that come up um, in this person's life probably there could be just need of like groceries and meals um, as well as like maybe like cost of different things like maybe paying for groceries or maybe um, like the rent or something if they're not able to work because of bereavement or something um, or maybe funeral costs, you know, there's like so many difficult practical challenges that get heaped on grieving people when they when they experience loss that become like this added weight that they are not equipped to deal with on their own because they're dealing with so much emotional, mental and like mental um, strife, you know, and even like it could be physical because then, you know, mental symptoms like show up physically. So get ill because of you know your depression and because of your grief because you know you're not taking care of yourself because you're too sidetracked with what you're emotionally dealing with you know so things really get compiled on grieving people I experienced this things really compile and being really attentive to just check in and follow up and like if you need to like set an alarm on your phone or write it on your calendar like oh check in with so-and-so see how they're doing like bring them a meal um you know, like ask them if I can like help them with, you know, their car insurance. I don't know. Or like, we're like, you know, paying for their groceries this month or like little things or like, even if it can't be that, just, just like bring them coffee or, or being a company, like, you know, having a meal with them like once a week or, or every couple weeks, you know, just like being a presence for them or like helping them in little practical ways, like helping them with laundry or cleaning their house, like just showing up because it's the little practical things that get so easily like compiled when your mind is so distraught um, and they're just things that are really hard to think about and to deal with because when you're dealing with grief you're it's just it's very complex and so those are like a whole nother set of things that you can like just be on the lookout for and be sensitive to and like look for what look for those opportunities you know ask and just be like Hey, you know, can, do you mind if I come over and clean your house this week? And then, you know, like I'll, I'll bring over like a casserole and then we can, after I clean, we can sit down and have dinner together or something, you know, or, or whatever, like just, just to show that they're supported and that they, you know, it helps them to not feel alone, helps them to feel supported, helps them because then ultimately that's going to look like lessen risk of suicide, you know, or suicidal ideation. And you just want to, you want this person to feel like they have community. You want them to feel like they have people that really genuinely authentically care about them and are are going to be there for them because people are often there in the first month and then disappear and then you're left dealing with all of this residual pain and frustration and trauma even and and just such complex things that you know your whole life can fall into shambles um, in some cases and if you're if you don't have support and community so it's just really important to like you know obviously like life goes on and like your life might not revolve around this person <laughs> but like just have like little reminders for like little things you might be able to do to check in or stop by or just like have a coffee with you know or just sit and have a chat or like ask them you know if you can come over and pray with them or like invite them out to a bible study or invite them out to just do something fun and relax like go bowling or see a movie you know because doing different things that aren't revolved around thinking about it are going to bring relief as well because um it's going to help them kind of keep moving forward mentally because life does keep going on and so setting little fun things maybe fun outings for things that they enjoy going to a nice museum they like or going to a specific restaurant they like that can just help to ease sort of the daily weight of what they carry with something lighter and doing it with you know community and friends and i guess ultimately like being that ongoing support 
that this person needs. If you want to grow with them as a friend or as like a, you know, a, a partner or a church, a fellow church member, whatever, you know, as a, as a friend, you know, I think it's important that you be learning alongside of them and be helping them continue to learn. And obviously there's only so much you can do. It does depend on, on that person. You know, they might want space and they might, you know, not really want to be around people, which you also have to be sensitive to, but like also don't be hurt by that because that's just how some people grieve and they need that time. But also still be gracious and persistent, you know, because they're going to need you eventually and they're going to need that community eventually. And I think just being willing to just recognize like, hey, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul with you. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm always here. And when they're ready to come around and then like start talking and, and start seeing people maybe a little more, then just being there when they're ready, you know, and um, being there for them and being willing to grow with them and walk through the whole thing with them. Um. I think, I mean, that's, that's kind of a foundational part of being a part of a church, of being part of a fellowship is like, you're doing life with people and that is like the daily nitty, nitty gritty, you know? And I think w- being willing to just be like, Hey, I'm really here with you for the long haul. And I want to learn more about how you're feeling and what you're experiencing. So I'm going to read some of these things. So maybe I can help you better. Um, but I want you to also share with me, like what you're feeling and what you're thinking and, and, you know, I think just giving them the openness to be able to share without being judged and to be able to just say like what they're feeling and, and what they're saying without like an instant like answer, without an instant like, oh, like I can problem solve that, you know, um, like, oh, well, you know, I, I think sometimes like that can be a little too much. But like if there is a scripture that addresses it, like bring it in, you know, bring it in graciously. And if they say like, you know, if they respond positively, great. If they respond negatively, you know, have grace and, and try to hear them out more. Maybe you misunderstood or maybe they're just not ready to hear that, you know? So I think it's just like ha- handling with grace, handling with care, being there for them when they when they need you. Um, if they need space, like letting them be, but also like letting them know that you're still there checking in. I think one of the beautiful things, like that's someone I know, a leader in my life that I um, lost a... Um, actually lost a child um he once in a while he texts me and just says hey you know the lord just reminded me of of your journey or of your your struggle and i just wanted to check in and see how you were and i'm like that to me is like so sweet like no one does that (laughs) except this guy (laughs) this this pastor in my life and i'm like thank you like it's just nice to be remembered you know because as time goes on you feel forgotten and when no one brings up your pain or brings up your grief or or the memory of of who it is that you've lost like it just feels forgotten and I think sometimes that's because people are afraid to bring it up because they think oh I don't want to like upset them or hurt them no like please just bring it up because unless they say like not to like it's probably going to bring them like more peace just the fact that you've like stated the the elephant that's in the room for them because they're probably feeling this weight on their shoulder all the time from this because they're continually now living with this hole in their life but it seems like they're the only one that sees the hole and feels the hole, you know? So for you to bring it up is like acknowledging like, oh, like I can breathe a little bit. Like, yeah, like that, that's how I've been feeling. It's been, it's been tough. It gives them a space to be open about it, you know? So I think that's, that's all really, really important. And, um, I know that's a whole lot of things. That's a whole lot of things, um, to think about. And obviously every situation is unique and different and every person is very unique and different. And so just being sensitive to that and approaching it, all with compassion and grace and sensitivity to that person's needs um and just having direct communication asking them you know open questions too i think is is always really important and so yeah i think that's all i got in terms of how to help um but lots of different things to think about um definitely i would encourage you to be proactive you know get some resources for yourself to read through and um i think honestly if you have compassion and empathy like you're you're going to be great because you just equip yourself with resources approach it with grace and like you will be able to maneuver it because you're handling people's people's experience and emotions with grace you know i think that's really what it comes down to is um not feeling the need to answer things so immediately Um, with something, but really just allowing space to be uncomfortable when you're talking through things that are hard. Um, 
that's like not an easy thing to do, right? For people in general, um, allowing yourself to be a little uncomfortable with like these big doubts and questions they might be throwing out at God and, and in the Bible, and you might not be able to answer them super well, but be like, you know what, let's work through these together because I want to grow too. And I want to work through this together. And, and maybe you can buy the two of you a little book to go through, or maybe you both can buy them a devotional or a sort of breathing book. And maybe you can go through it together. You know, I think just, just being like, Hey, I'm here to grow. And, and I'm, I'm hurting when you're hurting and I want to support you through this. I think that is really just the heart behind helping anybody that's grieving. Well, that's the end of our series on grief and loss. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to Sarah Lou for all of the amazing wisdom and insight she had to offer on this topic. We really hope this series blessed you. We hope it encouraged you and we hope that it was comfort to you through whatever you're facing. We here at the Good Line Podcast and the Good Line Podcast Network love you all so much who are listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And uh, our heart is just to create Christ-centered content that helps you in your walk with Jesus. The Good Line Podcast is a production of Calvary Global Network. It's produced by myself and Brian Higgins. Once again, thank you for listening to the series. And until next time, this is Aaron Salvato signing off. 